All right, welcome to the conversation. Progressive champion Nina Turner recently lost the congressional election. We're gonna find out why and get into honestly some of the conflict and drama behind the scenes, and that is significant. So joining us now, Senator Nina Turner, former campaign co-chair for Bernie Sanders, presidential campaign and a twice congressional candidate in Ohio 11. Nina, welcome back. Thanks, Jane, glad to be here. Uh, no problem. Um, so uh, Nina, last time around uh, when you first ran, uh, you got a lot of endorsements. Bernie Sanders, uh, the Congressional Progressive Caucus, uh, the entire squad, Justice Democrats, and the list goes on and on. Uh, this time around, uh, you did not get as many. You got Bernie Sanders uh, and you got AOC within the last 24 hours of the campaign uh, and, and a couple of others. But uh, a lot of the other folks that I named, um, including the Congressional Progressive Caucus, did not show up um, or did not endorse you, let's put it that way. Uh, so what do you think was the main difference that led to that result? Didn't show up, didn't endorse, I think pretty much the same uh, difference. Before I answer that, Jink, I do want to shout out the folks who did stick by my side. I had local progressive organizations, Stonewall Dems, Our Revolution, both National and Our Revolution Ohio, uh, PDA, Progressive Democrats of America. So those type, Working Families Party, I know I'm leaving, DFA, Democracy for America, and I'm leaving out some others. So I do want to shout those folks out for being by my side and SEIU was the only uh, union that had the courage to endorsed me, SEIU 1199 led by President Becky Williams. So I just wanna love on them a little bit. When it comes to the Congressional Progressive Caucus, you're absolutely right. Not only did they not show up for me, they <laughs> endorsed the other candidate that is, and she is very far from being a progressive. If in fact the Progressive Caucus, and we know that there are recent articles where you have Congresswoman Jayapal because of the pressure that the, that the uh, movement put on them and questioning why would you do something like that? They, you know, she she started to rethink in that in that uh, interview she did some of the things that they should do all along, which is not to just out of hand endorse somebody. And Jink, I'm not just any candidate. You know, I am a progressive champion with the receipts to prove it, and a leader in the movement itself. And even when I called them, I called both. Congresswoman Jayapal and I called the Congressman Pocan had gotten no response from them. Called them, you know, before I uh, made my announcement, no response from them whatsoever. And then Congresswoman Jayapal finally responded to me. I think about two weeks ago now, maybe going on three weeks ago now, but it was very at the, at the tail end of it. So that is very telling in and of itself. So uh, I'm about to read you a quote from uh, Congresswoman Jayapal, but uh, you said she finally responded a couple of weeks ago. What did she say? She thought Congressman she thought Congressman Pocan was gonna contact me. There was a personal element to it, so I, I don't want to tell that part. But just the bottom line that she thought uh, Congressman Pocan was going to respond, that my campaign manager was made aware, you know, that they were going to to do this. And that no money was going to be, you know, put behind their endorsement. So it was other than the personal part to it, it was just run of run of the mill excuses as far as I'm concerned. There is no rationale whatsoever as to why the CPC uh, would endorse a candidate who is not only not progressive, but the forces that came in here to buy this seat yet again, big oil, you know, and and also crypto billionaire. They are the antithesis of what those funding streams, super PAC, dark money, 
are the antithesis of what the Congressional Progressive Caucus says it stands for. So let me give you their explanation and then get your reaction. So Punchbowl News reports in an interview, Jayapal defended the Brown endorsement, describing her as a progressive member, quote, in good standing for four months, who met all the qualification laid out by the CPC. What do you, how do you respond to that? They need more, they need different qualifications. That endorsement makes no sense whatsoever, especially I'm Nina Turner, the Nina Turner, as I'm called. It made no sense to jump into that the race like that without at least even consulting me to see what I was going to do to not return my call. It, it made no sense. So Nina, people, including myself, call you the Nina Turner because of your track record, not because yeah. you know you've got you know we like your glasses or anything like that. So and and because of your track record in supporting two presidential campaigns for Bernie Sanders and the progressive movement, etc. But Mark Pocan on television said Chantel Brown is a perfectly good progressive. He couldn't tell you guys apart. Let me get your reaction. Two things are wrong with that. One, don't say that about black people. That you can't tell us there's a stereotypical, historical, stereotypical slant to that. That's number one. Like, just don't do that. Secondly, my God, really? We're the same. Nothing can be further from the truth. So instead of just admitting that they were wrong, he he met, you know, he just threw some stuff out there to see if it was gonna stick. He also said nobody in the caucus objected to it, which I'm finding out that that is not true. And as a matter of fact, Congresswoman Cory Bush did go on record as saying that that was not true. So, you know, I, I definitely thank her for that. It they they made a horrible miscalculation, and they should just admit that they're wrong. And also, what was in that article that you just put up there was her kind of going back and forth about, you know, if those types of variables happen in terms of endorsing somebody, then maybe they shouldn't endorse that person. Maybe they should wait six months to twelve months before they start endorsing people who have no progressive bona fides whatsoever. And not only that, this person that they endorse also is a part of the Blue Dog Caucus. She's a part of the caucus that is total antithesis of what the progressive caucus is supposed to stand for. Yeah, and so let me clarify a couple of things. First of all, to be fair to Congressman Pocan, I'm paraphrasing him when he said yeah, he couldn't tell you guys apart. I think he was mainly referring to your policies, just to be oh, clear. Oh, I know, but, but yeah. still, I'm glad you cleared that up, but it's just something the hairs on the back of my neck stand up as a black woman for anybody to say that, especially if they are not black. I mean, that's very clear to say yeah. you can't tell us apart. But I get it. I understand where you're going from. Just talking about the historical context of it. And two, come on, that's a yeah. bunch well, of. Well, I want to get to the come on because other groups, this is fairly unprecedented actually. And it goes to your point about, and in case the audience doesn't know, I mean, it, Obviously, there are a ton of progressive groups and the base that believes that Senator Nina Turner is a very large part of the progressive movement. She's not, I, you know, she's. That's, I'm not interchangeable, James. Yeah, I mean that. I, I guess, yeah. Just, just to to bring that point home, uh, I've never seen state level uh, progressive caucuses weigh in in a congressional election, especially not in their own state. But they did in this case, when the CPC endorsed Chantel Brown, a number of state progressive caucuses came out and said, no, it's Nina Turner, right? 
And so uh, I'll show you that tweet here. And then I wanna read you uh, uh, just two of the paragraphs they wrote. And, and then I wanna come back to the question of the difference between you and Chantel Brown, because this was their point of view. Uh, they said there are politicians uh, that have made a career out of uh, finding the safe middle ground. And then there's Nina Turner advocating for what will help her constituents, regardless of the political costs. We don't need more feckless politicians, we need Nina Turner. So uh, I give that to the or context of the audience uh, so they understand this is a, a nationwide movement that feels that way, right or wrong, win or lose, they feel that way. And so I think what I'm trying to get at here for the people who don't understand, they, they will say, well, Nina, in her four months in, in Congress, she seemed to have kind of basically voted with progressives. I mean, it depends on who you call progressives because she didn't vote on the de she voted to decouple infrastructure and build back better. The squad did not, so she didn't vote with them on that. But outside of that, they'll say she generally votes in the right direction. So what is the difference? And the Iran deal too. You know, that was a signature policy of President Obama. President Biden is pushing that forward, and she joined. I think it was 18 of them total Democrats and being against that. The difference is there is a one way to vote. One thing to vote the right way is another thing to fight the right way and to constantly have a track record of being out there when, in fact, it is uncomfortable, when it is not popular. The courage to ask for more, to demand more, to push my own party to do right by the poor, the working poor, and the barely middle class. That is one of the major differences. That is important. And it is also important because I want to see the CPC. I hope they do learn a lesson from this and that this something like this never ever happens again to a true progressive, a freedom fighting progressive. The CPC has to decide what it wants to be when it grows up. Does it want to be an extension of the corporatist Dems? Or is it going to truly be a caucus that separates itself? Indeed, that means the work that it does and the demand, and it should be rigorous to be able to be a member of the CPC. This can't be about just counting numbers. It is numerically, Jake, the biggest caucus in the Congress. But forget all that. What, what difference do the numbers make when you don't have people with the heart and the soul who are going to challenge the status quo, not coddle it, not cozy up to it, but challenge it? Okay, so what well, I wanna come back to some of the members uh, in a minute because so we talked about the caucus, but we also should talk about individuals. But let me start with a different individual, that's James Clyburn. So he's one of the most conservative Democrats in Congress, and he got involved in your race both times, and he made it very personal. And and he also brought a lot of the Congressional Black Caucus with him, including Hakeem Jeffries. And he said that he got involved because of this quote. He says, quote, they called me dumb. And so uh, apparently uh, he thinks that it's about him. Now I'm gonna get to the actual video that he's referring to, we have it. But, but first, let me just ask you, if Bernie Sanders, I know you guys would never do that. You're close friends, he endorsed you both times, you're both deep progressives. But if Bernie Sanders had personally offended you deeply like that, and he was running against Joe Manchin, would you endorse Joe Manchin because uh, Bernie Sanders hurt your feelings? Oh hell no, no. Yeah, so it doesn't it seem like Representative Clyburn is saying that his feelings are more important than any policies, because he didn't really state any policies as his reason for getting involved in the race. He just said that he was offended and that so 
doesn't that kind of imply that he he doesn't care about the policies or the voters, that it's all about him? Yeah, I mean, that's that's real. I mean, he did the same thing, you know, in South Carolina. I mean, we want to talk about the presidential election, but I guess we could say that for another show. But absolutely making it about him and not about the needs of uh, the 11th Congressional District. I called him nothing, actually. But that was just an excuse to jump into this race anyway. He was going to jump into it either way because he is a corporatist Dems and that's, that's what corporatist Dems do. So we'll get, let's let's break it down. Let's get, let's get to what the clip was and see if what Jim Clyburn is saying is true or fabrication. So it was actually in a TYT town hall in Cleveland where it was myself moderating and you and Killer Mike participating. And so let's show you the clip that Representative Clyburn is referring to. What I realized when I saw people like Clyburn, which I don't have a problem with in South Carolina for the good work he's done, but I think it's incredibly stupid to not cut a deal before you get someone elected president, and the only thing you get is a federal holiday and nothing tangible out of it. Talk about so, it. and that criticism is with love. Now, uh, there, very clearly. Uh, Killer Mike says it's with love, and he said he's also done some good things. And he didn't say Clyburn is stupid, we just watched the tape. He said the decision not to ask for more from Joe Biden for the endorsement, for example, voting rights. He didn't ask for voting rights, he didn't get voting rights. And that that was a strategic mistake. And yes, he called that mistake stupid, and and you seem to agree. So um, is that you? Calling Clyburn dumb overall, or does he seem to be lying here? No, he is, and and neither did Michael either. Michael Render did not. He just said the act of is it. This stuff is transactional, you know. And in order to get the most for our people, whether it's black people, other poor people, people from all walks of life who are suffering, it must be a transaction. So you get this from me for this, not. For you personally, but for a larger good like voting rights, as you named uh, the George Floyd Act, for example, th- those kinds of things should have been on the table to get that kind of support. Other, you know, economic. I mean, the congressman has some of the most poor, the poor, very poor areas in his state, in right in his district, but yet he chose to come in here and flex muscles in the 11th congressional. District, which by the way, the city of Cleveland is the poorest city of its size. Not thinking about what is in the best interest of the people in the 11th district. Do they need somebody that's gonna go along to get along all the time? Or, or do they need somebody that has the courage to ask for more, to demand more for the people, like a minimum, uh, a, a living wage, increase the minimum wage, let's get to a living wage, like Medicare for all, like canceling student debt. Those are the kinds of things, Jink. And so I asked the viewers, what is wrong with pushing for things that change the material conditions of the people who need it the most? That's it. And that's all. I center people, Jink. I I center the people who have the need. I don't center politicians when I'm standing up and fighting for the people. So Yeah. yeah, that he totally lied. That was a lie, no doubt about it. I have a different hypothesis on why he came in the race. And that goes to the second half of the clip. It was a short clip that got passed around back then. The town hall talked about economic empowerment. 
for African Americans, for Cleveland, for the entire district, uh, talked about small businesses. They took that clip as quote unquote oppo research. Now, let me show you the second half of the clip that I think might have actually offended Clyburn more. What I realized is you got folks taking the bag on both sides. And you have people in the Democratic and Republican parties that are far more loyal to the people in corporations and the corporations that sponsor their, their, their running than they are to the people who actually vote to get them there. So people might be confused. You know, Clyburn is very conservative, but if you if it's convenient for him, he'll call himself anything he likes. He'll say, "Well, I'm part of the Congressional Black Caucus," implying that that's progressive when it isn't. Um, and uh, and they'll say, "Well, look, you guys are all on the same side, etc." But they take tons of corporate cash. Clyburn is the master of taking corporate cash uh, as a matter of politics. Now, when you point that out, Nina. That's when people really get offended. Do you think that that was the issue here that they're worried? And they spent over $6 million on you through their lobbyists, their PACs, etc. in two races combined, at least. And you don't spend that kind of money unless somebody you think someone's a threat. Is it possible that they spent that money and Clyburn did on the all that effort to make sure you don't win? Because you were gonna point out that he mainly takes corporate cash and does as he's told. Yeah, they didn't want to be exposed. You know, I've been talking a long time about owner donors. There is, there should be a higher expectation today than it even was 10 or 20 years ago. It has been shown very clearly. Senator Bernie Sanders did it twice in a presidential election that you can choose to run for office without having to answer to those big corporate interests if you want to. It is very clear that far too many politicians, they don't want to. And so my juxtaposition, I am the total opposite. And so they would be exposed more if I were in that Congress than not being in that Congress. So Jink, I think you are really on to something. It is them being exposed for the corporatists that they really are. Where are where's the outrage over the over the expiration of the child tax credit, for example? Good policy, good policy by the president. It expired. Where is that kind of outrage? Where is the outrage that people are still underwater because of a pandemic and inflation? The average gas price in Ohio right now is four dollars and twenty-five cents. The minimum wage here in Ohio is eight dollars and eighty cents because it goes up with inflation, but not nearly enough. The average and the federal minimum wage is $7.25. Where is that outrage? But instead of being outraged that the people who are poor, working poor and barely middle class, instead of being outraged about how they're being treated, what, what kind of life they're living or not living, they want to be outraged about me and my positions and my standing up for justice in all of its forms, and also demanding more of the Democratic Party, my party. Look, we ain't gonna let the Republicans off the hook either. There's something wrong with them. There's no doubt about it. But we have a two-party system in this country, two major parties in this country. And one of them ought to stand up for the people who need it the most. So yes, did they want me in the halls of Congress pointing that out? Just my very presence points that out on a regular basis. No, they did not. 
So they put all everything that they had. I mean, even so much so. So you got a crypto billionaire, you got an oil baroness, and then you got Clyburn and Hakeem. And I and I debated Congressman Hakeem several times, Jeffrey, several times, you know, during the presidential elections, especially in 2016. No, they didn't want, they didn't want that. They didn't want this smoke. And so they did everything that they could in both election cycles to try to stop it from happening. And what they did is manipulated through these dark money groups and these super PACs, really the total wheel of the people. Because you know what, Jink? Elections are no longer decided at the ballot box. They're decided in boardrooms. And there is something wrong with that. Yeah, look, uh, these are indisputable facts. Uh, Clyburn was on the side of the oil baroness, uh, the drug companies, uh, the Democratic majority for Israel, Every corporate pack and and lobbyist was on Chantel Brown's side, Jim Clyburn's side, Hakeem Jeffries' side, and so and with that money they buy the advertising, of course, that influenced fifty to one. Fifty to one. We got outspent. Sorry to cut you off. We got outspent fifty to one. And can I just real quickly? I want to share something to you that one of my colleagues that I served in the Ohio Senate with. She sent me tonight, Senator Shirley Smith. She said, "Hello, Nina." I just had to bring this to your attention. I know it already has been brought to your attention, but I just had to speak out about it. It is unbelievable that Joe Manchin is still going against the Democrats and they do SHIT to him. No comparison to what they came after you for. Bull. Right. No, that's actually. I mean, but is that real? I mean, this is real. Yeah. No, that's actually an excellent point. Um, and and if anybody uh, that's watching now knows, they've done nothing to Mansion and Cinema, and Mansion and Cinema destroyed the entire Democratic agenda. But that's all of a sudden, they spent six million dollars against you. Yes, in the first election, uh, the money was near even, uh, but the second election, there was a. 27 point difference between the two uh, elections because in the second one, you got outspent 50 to one. It's almost as if corporate PAC money makes a difference. And by the way, which leads us back to the thing that I want to make sure that we get to, which is when you are not supported by the rest of the progressive movement, you are not able to raise a competitive amount of money as you did the first time. So now let's, I think the audience is genuinely curious. So we understand Clyburn, we understand the progressive caucus saying, hey, you know what? Uh, I mean, we've seen them now over and over again uh, do whatever Democratic leadership says while pretending to be progressive. I think those are clear. But there were a number of actual progressives in that caucus uh, who you would have thought and the the audience would have thought would have backed you. What kind of pressure do you think was put on them uh, to not back you? I mean, they some of them definitely received threats. I have somebody that's really close to me who got a message from you know Congresswoman Joyce Beatty who leads the Congressional Black Caucus. The type of threat that from you know we're not gonna push your legislation to we're gonna back people who come to run against you to we're gonna stop your money from coming in. Those are the kinds of threats that some members received when they made it known that they wanted to endorse me. And so those threats are real. 
And I want this movement, Jink, if I can just say, well, before I get to the movement, you know, my son said something to me that was so profound out of the mouth of babes. You know, he's a grown man. He's still my baby. He said, Ma, you got jumped and your friends let you get jumped. They didn't run to go get no help. They let you get jumped and left you there by yourself. Now, Jink, what am I supposed to do with that? That's true. Yes, um, obviously some friends showed up, but not nearly enough. Uh, not and enough. yeah, yeah, and uh, and or so some look, of your friends let you get jumped. Friends let you get jumped. So yeah, you're right. Yeah. So look, there's of course the angle of the the pressure working, uh, and that is deeply unfortunate. Uh, but people need to say it. Uh, nobody ever says anything in Washington uh, because it's considered impolite or and oh, that's not good politics to tell people the truth. Uh, the other day, Steve Schmidt was spilling tea about John McCain and his family, and Mike Allen from Axios said, "Well, if you keep saying things like this, which no one disputes is true, are you worried that people will call you unhinged?" And that that right there is the Washington mentality. If you say the truth, they'll call you unhinged. So now that we're speaking truth, Joyce Beatty is the one that did the threats, according to what you just said. And um, is that common knowledge in Washington that people like Joyce Beatty and and other members of whether it's Congressional Progressive Caucus, Congressional Black Caucus, go around threatening uh, their uh, colleagues, while by the way arguing? That hey, the incumbency is the most important thing in the world, and every incumbent must be protected. But aren't they threatening fellow incumbents with spending corporate cash against them if they dare defy their orders? Yeah, they are. And also, all of this choice, choice, choice. You know, choice doesn't begin and end just with a woman's reproductive health. People should have the choice to make decisions that they believe it follows their belief system that is in the best interest. So obviously, you know, to threaten people like that. No, I don't think it is common knowledge and I'm glad that we letting letting it out. Let's go and put this stuff out into the open. Let folks know exactly what freedom fighting progressives have to deal with because the corporate is dim put all of their firepower as we have seen in two election cycles for me, we saw it happen in two back-to-back presidential cycles. We saw it happen to India Walton in Buffalo. We can keep naming names. Summer Lee and a whole host of other more progressive candidates are going through the same thing right now, where you got DMFI, APAC, other blue dog, corporatist type Democrats organizations coming after them. They even manipulated, there's a puzzle story. You know, I want our viewers to know there's a puzzle story that I share about my two-year-old grandson. They even manipulated that in a mailer that I got the day after the election. Like these folks, there is no depth too low for them to go when it comes to trying to stop the progressive movement. Make no mistake about it. I was the target, but I'm only the target in so much as what I represent. And as a leader in the progressive movement, they understand that I can move people, Jink. My black girl magic is intact and it is strong. And they realize that. And that's why they came at me so hard, even bringing the president of the United States into this. You know, we got Ukraine and Russia going on. We got inflation. We got a pandemic we still got to deal with. 
But yet and still, somebody slid that across the president's desk and said, you must get into this race in the 11th congressional district where, there, where this is a solidly Democratic district. But Mr. President, if you do nothing else, you must get into this race. That's, That's the kind point. of stuff that progressives have, have to face, Jink. And that is why the movement itself, the movement itself, we cannot get weary and well-doing. We have to get organized. And we must be relentless in our push and our pursuit. And we must back one another. Why is it that the corporatist Dems, they can coalesce? You follow me, Gene? They can coalesce around any candidate they want. But if progressives step up and say, no, we're going to go with what our value propositions are, they get threatened. Yes, uh, we're out of time. Uh, but it should be noted uh, that you're right. It's not just Clyburn and Beatty and others. The president himself has chosen never to fight Joe Manchin or Kristen Cinema. They sunk his theoretical agenda, and he never said one word against them. Never spent one dollar. Never did an endorsement. No. Never did any of that. And he, no. the president, made big news over the last couple of days because he said he's finally going to begin to fight Republicans. But he was already fighting progressives, and he was already fighting you. So it gives you a yeah. sense of Democratic leadership priorities. They much yeah. rather fight progressives than Republicans or corporate Democrats that kill their entire agenda. That is a fact, and it is obvious. It is Senator a fact. Nina and one Turner. more point, Jink. Yes. One more point, and they come the hardest after black women progressive candidates and other progressives of color, the hardest. I want people to wrap their minds around that. We got to do this again, Gene. Let's, let's, let's keep on talking about it. I want the yes, people to you, know. Yes, you alluded to 2024, so trust me, we'll be talking to you again. Uh, thank you, <laughs> Senator Turner. Uh, we'll see you soon.